Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. This is Playing Playing With Science. Science. Yes, it is. Imagine you are driving down a street in New York. Paris or even Berlin, Hmm. but you're doing 140 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. And you're accelerating 0 to 60 in less than three seconds. And here's the kicker. You're not using a single drop of gas. Oh, my God. That sounds like a dream. That's because you, my friends, have gone electric. Formula E has been tearing it up since 2014 with such illustrious names as Piquet and Prost behind the wheel and Renault and Audi fielding teams along with BMW, Mercedes, and Porsche all joining in the next two years. Exciting. It is. Um, and to give us the view from behind the wheel mm-hmm. is DS Virgin Racing Sam Bird. Seriously, you're going to love this interview, and it's coming up very, very shortly. What he is racing today, you will be driving tomorrow. So. Isn't that the great thing about this sport yeah. is the fact that all of the technological advancements that are being made will eventually be found in our cars very shortly. Yeah, they which will. Is, which is why you, I think BMW, Porsche, and Mercedes are all joining it. Not to mention soon you'll have like Tesla, right? Jaguar. In. Jaguar. Have the I-Pace. Right. Did you notice I said it like you? Jaguar. Thank right you. On. Go ahead. Go for Zebra. Zebra. Thank you. I love that. There you go. (laughs) That interview with Sam Bird is up shortly, but just to let you know, we will have the technical director from Williams, the people who supply the batteries for Formula E. Yes, and of course, if it's on wheels and it goes really, really fast, which Formula E cars do, then we have to speak to Jim Clash, who is our resident expert on things that go fast. That's right. uh, That's all coming up shortly, but first now, let's get an interview with Sam Bird. Chuck and I caught up with him a little bit earlier on. Um, Enjoy. Major difference for you between driving a Formula E car and other formulas, because you've driven several other types of racing cars. So I'd be interested to hear what you feel the difference is between Formula E and others. Yeah, just to give you guys a background, I mean, I've I've been involved in Formula One. I was a reserve driver for uh, Mercedes F1 for three or four years. Um, I came second in GP2, which is now called Formula Two, so the series below. So I've driven some high-powered single-seaters, um, and now for the last four seasons, I've been involved in Formula E. Um, it is a completely different 
formula. It is only based on city circuits. So we go to uh, tracks that are made up in inner cities and we race on them, which is highly exciting. The cars are fully electric. It's the first all-electric single-seater championship in the world. Um, so in those two respects, it is completely different. Um, with an electric uh, power output, um, different torque curves. Normally, uh, torque curves in in normally aspirated engines are not linear. This is obviously completely linear. When I ask for full throttle, I really do get full throttle. Um, so there are there are many differences. Is there any sort of time lag on a normally aspirated engine to the powertrain that you're experiencing with the electric car? No, it's it's absolutely instantaneous. So it's pretty impressive in that respect. You have to remember when you drive a normally aspirated vehicle, it's only, in the best of cases, it's probably 35, 40% efficient. Right. When you're talking about um, electric, you know, EVs and, and their efficiency, the efficiency can be up to 85, 90% efficient. So when you get on the power, absolute linear torque curve, immediate response. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So now I understand that all the cars are essentially the same. What is it that uh, your team has to do to give you an edge aside from having uh, a totally capable driver such as yourself? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, you're right. The, the monocoque, the chassis and the battery and the tires that we're given are right. all the same for every single team. What changes is after what happens after the battery at the rear of the car. At the back of the car, every manufacturer has the ability to design their own drivetrain, their own gearbox, oh. have inverters and use their own materials in order to achieve the lightest, the lowest center of gravity and the most efficient. And the teams that are quick have achieved these things. Um, so that, that's where different manufacturers go. I like the fact that it's only open in this area because if you start opening up the battery technology so early in a championship, you'll get teams with huge budgets coming in and romping away with the championship. This way, Marie can control the championship a little bit more. And it means, you know, you go into any weekend and anybody can win it. You know, with the driver calibers we've got in this championship, you go in, there's 20 guys that can win a race. So what is your favorite city to drive? Because you, ha you guys now have uh, your circuit is set and it's always a cityscape behind you. Uh, yeah. what, what's your favorite city to drive? I mean, whenever you win at these places, it always fills you with a fond memory and you land up naming the ones that you've won. Um, <laughs> but in, in all honesty, I'm not just saying this because I'm on the show now ready for New York, but I would say that New York for me was the best. Before the race last year, I'd never been to New York before. So uh, it, was a, it was a very nice introduction to a great city. Cool, man. Cool. So when you, when you were racing, you will always memorize a track, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, how long, A, how long does it take you to memorize a track? And how on earth do you compensate for the fact it's now a cityscape and not a rolling countryside or a more rural landscape, you'd say, like with a classic F1 track? Yeah, the, going back to the first point, I mean, I've done seven, 800 laps on the simulator to prepare for this right. weekend beforehand. So every single track we go to, we go to Paris with DS Virgin Racing. 
and we do two, three, four days of simulation before. I practice the circuit and it also gives the engineers an idea of how much energy we're going to use per, per lap. Um, and we sort of get to see a bigger picture of what to use per lap. Um, energy figures, energy numbers, what to expect, what the pace will be. So we cover everything before we go there. Um, it's as if we've done two or three race weekends there before we even get there. So it's great. It's great preparation. You so can gain all of that from the simulator in Absolutely. terms of, so you are, as so much as energy output as energy recovery and where you everything. are expending it. Absolutely wow. everything. We, wow. we come up with all of our maps through the simulator and they're within one percent of where they need to be for the race weekend it gives us a really good starting point and obviously it needs some fine tuning a simulator can never be absolutely perfect but it gives us a great platform now with regards to my uh, attacking a street circuit in comparison to a conventional circuit it is different mm. you find yourself having to build up to being a hundred percent you can't overdrive the circuit and come back like you could at silverstone spa hockenheim some other places where you can use the track limits go over them and then come back to find the limit if i go over the limit guys i'm in a wall that's right there's uh, there's, there's there's that <laughs> element to it so so you have to be you have to build up to these things so with that in that respect and with that in mind um what is the strategy difference for the type of track that you're driving on. These hairpin turns are so tight and you're going into them, especially at the beginning of the race, with so many other drivers around you and they're so difficult to navigate. I mean, it looks terrifying to be honest but then <laughs> but then coming out of them you know you have your you know your s curves and the long straightaways so what kind of speeds are you getting up to on those stretches and then how are you navigating those tight hairpin turns that you guys are making especially when you're making them with a bunch of other drivers well i mean that's our job at the end of the day. We've all been practicing this for the last decade of our, of our careers. Um, negotiating a race circuit as fast as we possibly can is in our blood. It's, it's in our DNA, and that's why we're paid to do what we do. A bit like how an NBA player can, can shoot three points from pretty much anywhere on the court, um, which astounds me. You know, that's negotiating a tight hairpin with 19 other world-class drivers around me. Uh, I have to do that week in, week out. So for me, that's... That's my bread and butter. Um, you know, the, these cars that we're racing at the moment will be doing around about 140 miles an hour down the front straightaway in, in New York before breaking into the tight hairpin. Next year, with the, with the next generation of car, we'll, we, we'll, we'll see speeds of up to around 170 miles an hour on some of these street circuits, which then becomes really interesting. By the way, yeah. that's, uh, you know, people are used to hearing F1 and they're used to hearing speeds of, you know, two, whatever. Uh, yeah. 117 miles an hour, just so anyone knows, on a city street is exactly. is actually faster than 220 miles an hour on a track it's, it's it certainly feels like it when you're when you're that far away from a wall that's what i'm saying yeah. there's it's because because of the way the track is situated uh there's at those speeds there's really no room for error i mean i think your percentage of error is about four or five percent it's crazy oh i i would say less i mean the yeah. thing is is that 
this this championship is so world-class now with the manufacturers involved, the teams mm -hmm. involved, but also the drivers involved are pretty spectacular. Yep. You break two meters too early right. and you're off the and pace. And you're off the pace. You break two meters too late and you're in the wall. In the wall. You have to be absolutely precise and perfect in order to be at the front of this championship. So I heard that they limit the speed on the car, that the cars actually go faster than that, but they limit the speed. Is that true? Well, the car is capable of more kilowatts per hour than what it outputs. But in order to make it fair for everybody, to make it an absolute level playing field, because every battery, the cells are slightly different, slightly different age, slightly different decay rate. So uh -huh. they've ca basically capped it okay. so that everybody has the same amount. A little bit like if you've got a battery in a, in a computer, imagine you've got the capability there to have 100% of its life, but instead you're taking 95% and every single battery is the same. Wow. Sam, before we have to let you go, um, the science aspect of it, the technology that's evolving and, and pushing itself through, you seem as if you're quite immersed in it. Are you that kind of driver that is all over the analytics and the data or are you the guy that just gets in, let me go racing? I'm a bit of both, to be honest. When it comes to the nitty-gritty of sorting out one mil of ride height here or one click on the dampers there, I trust my engineer completely to choose the right change at the right time. He knows my driving style. He understands track evolution, weather, uh, stuff like this, and what to expect the changes to be from qualifying to the race. But I do like to get quite analytical when it comes to what I can improve with. So I do spend a lot of time... Uh, as much as I can anyway, downtime, looking at data, analyzing what I can do to improve as a driver and make myself faster at every single race. Wow. Where, and that's brilliant. And I, I admire you totally for that. Uh, where can Formula E go? And I don't mean a location. I mean, <laughs> as a sport, you know, the, 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 you're on a track, you'll go around in circles, Gary. Um, now, where can it go? Where can it put itself in the sporting calendar as we've got yeah. to be like you well, talk f1 it's monaco yeah where can formula e go and make that sort of happen i mean look formula e is still new uh and it's it's like a baby that's growing up still but it's gaining followers which is great the technology is uh, drawing in um big manufacturers which is very important and mm. I think it's important to recognize the fact that Formula E is relevant technology to the here and now and, and to the future. You look at Formula One, and I, I love Formula One. I was involved in it, and it's great to have Formula One still around. But the technology that is in Formula One, I believe currently, is only relevant to supercars and hypercars that you can buy for $1 million plus. <laughs> and that, that's, that's the, the, the technology that's in Formula One. The technology that is going into Formula E cars is going to filter down onto the production line and it's going to be in the everyday vehicle, the new EVs that are going to be coming out in the next few years. And let's face it, that's far more relevant to every single person that's sitting at home right now because in four or five years' time, people will only be driving hybrids and electric vehicles. So that, I think that's what makes Formula E quite exciting, quite relevant, current and, and good for the younger generation of fans. So I think... The sky's the limit, to be honest, with Formula E. I think it could grow and grow and progress and progress to the point where it is watched by millions of people worldwide. 
I mean, Chuck, that's amazing. What Sam races today, we will be driving tomorrow. He will take maybe a little bit of a higher center of gravity. Well, well I hope. Is, I hope it what's is already it is already happening with yeah. with uh, some of our our opponents at the moment. The the software that has gone from their race cars has actually filtered down into production cars that you can buy today that people can actually afford. So it is working already. Well, what you're racing today, I was hoping to race tomorrow because I was going to show up and just ask you, can I drive your car? Yeah, dude, sorry. <laughs> I'm driving it. <laughs> I want to win this thing. There you go. There you go. Oh, well, look, um, we've had a great time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so yeah, much. Thanks so much for talking to us. Yeah, no worries, guys. Thanks very much for having me on the show. That's our interview with Sam Bird. Hope you enjoyed it as much as Chuck and I did. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, Williams Advanced Engineering. Yes, they're the people that supply the batteries for Formula E. We'll be talking to them straight away. Sleep. Grocery shopping. Themselves. Just a few things working moms seldom have time for. And during tax season, you can add taxes to their list. So for all you working moms, make the easy switch to H&R Block and have an expert make easy work of your taxes. H&R Block guarantees your taxes are 100% accurate and your max refund or your money back. Plus, with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even have an H&R Block tax pro do your taxes in a block office or online from the comfort of your own home. Can your current tax guy promise all that? When you're buried under life's to-dos, let the experts at H&R Block stay on top of your taxes with a return that's right on the money and your biggest refund possible. Because tax season after tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Descriptions of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Right now we have the great pleasure of being uh, joined by Paul McNamara, who is the 
technical director for Williams Advanced Technology, and uh, they are the company that builds the batteries for the amazing Formula E cars that we have been talking about. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Good to speak with you, Chuck. Uh, it's our pleasure indeed. Let us talk about this super exciting um, technological advancement that you guys are working with in the battery for Formula E. Okay, so if you were to go and have a look at a Formula E car and a Formula E battery, what you're looking at is a carbon fiber box. Right. And that box plugs into the car and actually forms a structural part of the car. So the front of the car goes off the front of it and the back of the car on the back and, and you take the load through. But the clever bit's inside that box. Um, and inside the box, essentially, we're joining up what we talk about as cells, which I think people, most people would probably associate with the battery. But we're putting all those cells in series so that we can create a high enough voltage so that we can get the power and the performance out of the car. And the task we have is to connect all those up, to control them, to measure them, to keep them operating under the vibration and crash and temperature conditions that they might see during a normal race and to make all that work together so that the big black box does what it needs to do on the track. Awesome. So we're kind of talking about uh, roughly, what would it be, 200 kilowatts that you're generating when you're with the battery? That's right. So the uh, battery for the most recent season has been set up for a maximum of 200 kilowatts of power. So that, that's what it will give. And that would be the equivalent of what in terms of what, what, are we, what, what would a person associate 200 kilowatts, which gets you like a speed of, of like 100 and what, 150 something miles per hour? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess most people think about horsepower. So right. uh, 200 kilowatts is, you know, 330 or so horsepower. So that, that's, wow. that's the sort of power that, that we can deliver from that battery. That's amazing. That, I mean, that's truly amazing. 330 horsepower, and you're talking yeah. about a feather-white light car. That's a tremendous amount of power that you're talking that, that, about. That's plenty of power, yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, they are uh, fast cars. Um, the Formula E racing is all about the electric powertrain and, and making that efficient and technically efficient. That's how the teams win. Right. Um, but, yeah, to, to make the spectacle exciting, then we need plenty of power and fast and competitive racing. So the competitive edge that a car uh, team will get will be in how they convert that power plant into actual like torque for the drivetrain is that really where the difference comes for the cars it's so so i guess we haven't said to the listeners that um the batteries are the same for all the teams so everybody's got the black box i've just spoken about 200 kilowatts and what they're going to do is they're going to take that power that battery will give and exactly as you say convert that to torque at the wheels um now by and large, you'll be able to deliver the torque, the power. What's interesting is how long you can keep that going for. So the efficiency ah. of the energy stored in the battery ah. tends to be the differentiator. So in a, in a Formula E car, you, you're effectively fuel limited. You can, if a driver wants to go quick, he can go really quick. Trouble is he'll come to a stop before the end of the race. So he's got to sort of manage how that is. So the more efficient the engineers can make it, the longer he can push at high power, the more opportunity he's got to overtake, and that's the differentiator. Oh, wow. That, that's actually very exciting when you think about it because it's, it's kind of like everybody's given the same amount of money 
Now, here's the deal. How are you going to spend that money to get to the end of the race with and and still be able to cross the finish line? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So so a lot of a lot of um, internal combustion engine formulas do have a number of gallons of fuel limit on them. But generally, it doesn't tend to be a big limiting factor. Certainly here in Formula E, it's what you're 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 fighting with and racing with. And so now I know that they change cars uh, during the race because, of course, the battery can only do and go so far. Is there right now, do you see a time when they're going to have no need to change a car or with or maybe extend the race to twice as long with the car change? Okay, so with, with the Formula E series, the, the guys running and setting the regulations for it set out this vision of the first four years. Um, we've just finished the, the uh, last race of the first four years in New York a weekend ago. And um, that was the two cars per race vision with the sort of technology that got engineered in four or five years ago and then we've developed. Next season, which is the season, the fifth season of Formula E, right. we have a whole new car and a new battery for that across the series. And those cars will run the entire length of the race on one battery. So we no longer have the changing of cars in the middle. And that's a reflection on how the technology has moved on across the last five years, both in terms of the cells themselves, I was talking about earlier, right. but also in the way you extract energy from them and package those together. Okay, so speaking of the cells, and this really interests me. So I'm holding in my hand right now my cell phone. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they used to call them a cell phone because, you know, there were cell towers. Now there's an actual cell inside of my cell phone. And if I use my cell phone for any period of time, it gets hot. So my question to you, Paul, is you're looking at this huge power plant. How do you keep something that big that's putting out that much energy from generating or overheating, because I'm sure it's generating heat. How do you manage that? Because it would seem like it would just get hot and melt. Yeah, you're right. I mean, certainly when you're you're chucking out 200 kilowatts of power to the wheels, you're also having to get rid of something in the order of 20 kilowatts of heat. 20 kilowatts of heat is a lot, you know, so that's uh, six or seven three kilowatt fires around your house. So that's keeping a whole house warm easy, yeah, through the through through the winter. Um, so if you, if you look at the cars, a bit like Formula One cars, um, there's two great big radiator grills either side of the driver sucking air through. And actually, we we devote one side of that to cooling the battery. So we've got a radiator in there and a cooling circuit around the battery. And the other side is cooling the electric motors and the inverters, which are power conversion device in in the car so we so another part of the competitive edge for a team is how efficiently they can package that cooling arrangement but within the battery as the battery engineers we've had to develop some quite interesting technologies to make sure we can cool that battery inside get the coolant right up against the cells make that as efficient as possible to make it lightweight wow super cool that is super cool so um when when you talk about that, how do you monitor? Because I'm thinking about like the intricacy of what you just said. 
is are, are, is there some type of computer monitoring the battery itself as you're driving? Because this is a lot of things that you're juggling that you have to keep kind of track of during the race. Yeah, sure. So another important part of a battery within a Formula E car, and actually in a battery anywhere, is the so-called battery management system. And that, in, in essence, is a computer sat on the top of the battery doing a lot of monitoring. Now, in the case of the Formula E one, every single cell, we are measuring the temperature of it. Every single cell, we are measuring the voltage across it. The algorithm in there is detecting anything going slightly out. It's, it's, it's uh, making sure the health of the battery stays good and um, regulating, if it needs to, the power that could be extracted from the battery if anything's getting slightly too hot um, during the race. So, so we have continual monitoring of the battery. The driver himself is not interfering with the battery. The battery is just a sort of supply on demand device. But the driver does have a lot of intricacy about operating the car under his control, about how he chooses to use the power, how it goes, the balance of the brakes, and all that sort of information he's dealing with. So actually, from an energy conservation point of view, there's a lot that the driver has to do with what we call the powertrain, which is electric motor, inverter, and gearbox, but not so much with the battery itself. Wow. That's pretty cool. That is very cool. So. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're getting down to the end of the segment here, but there's a couple things that I really want to know, and I'm sure our listeners want to know, and that is, you guys are making all of these advancements. Um, you know, Formula, Formula One at one point, you know, was responsible for seeing a lot of technological advances in regular cars. Um, yeah. where, where do you see Formula E in terms of battery development how soon will we start seeing these advancements that you're making coming to the streets? Yeah, absolutely right. So, as you say, Formula One has, has put a lot of advancements, you know, uh, into the road cars. And I think Formula E has been very much set up with exactly the same ideas in mind, that you set up a racing formula with some controlled rules. It provides a framework for people like us to try things out, see how well they work on a, on a racetrack, and if they work well, then that's something that can come over in, into cars. So right now, we at Williams are trying to take those technologies and move them across. So just a few examples. So the first one is control algorithms. So the control algorithms that have gone on to the race cars are going on to road cars right now that we're innovating. We've worked with... Um, couple of universities here in the UK on developing new ways of measuring state of health of the battery to try and extend its life, make it more reliable. That's important for racing, but it's also important for road cars when we put that across. Um, I mentioned before the crash structure and the structural structure of the battery, so the battery is forming part of the car using carbon fibre to keep the light the weight down, we're applying that into high-performance electric cars at the moment that will have carbon fibre-based uh, batteries um, to shield and protect everything. Um, and there's a few, so it tends to be around the details of how you make these things, how you make them lightweight, ideas we've tried out in the racetrack, the work that we're putting into road cars now. So here's a final thought. Um, this is not necessarily the case when people say this, but fossil fuels come from dinosaurs who died millions of years ago. doesn't really work that way, we know. But I will ask you, Paul McNamara of Williams, are gasoline cars already dinosaurs right now? Uh, 
I don't think so. I mean, again, we, we've got to be um, uh, sensible about how new developments come in and flow through. Um, we can only deliver electric cars at the moment at a certain rate and certain applications. Um, so we're seeing those on the market. There's a lot of engineering to do yet to make the products at the right cost, at the right range, at the right rate of recharging. There's a lot of engineering to do about making sure everybody can easy recharge a, a car. So the reality is gasoline is a convenient and available fuel source for us. We've got to make electricity as storable, as easy to use, as easy to get hold of as gasoline is. And as engineers, once we've done that, then electric cars can start to think about completely replacing gasoline. But there is some, some distance to go on that yet. Well, I'm sure it's a distance that you will cover. And I'm sure yes. that, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that that will happen. And uh, thank you for speaking with us. And uh, continued success with everything that Williams is doing. And long live Formula E because it's an exciting sport. And I have to tell you, I'm hooked on it. Fantastic. I'm really glad of that. So it's been great to talk to you, Chuck. You know what shouldn't feel like rocket science? Planning a vacation your whole crew will love. With Carnival Cruise Line, it's all up to you. You can kick back or dive right into the fun. Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship. From a ride on the Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. Whatever your vibe is, you'll come home with plenty of stories to tell. So pack those bags, be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival. Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, The Bahamas and Panama. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential and through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Gary O'Reilly. I'm Chuck Nice. And this is still Playing with science. science, and it's all about Formula E. So, like I said at the top of the show, if it's on wheels, goes really, really fast, then we can only talk to one person. That's right. That is our very good friend, Jim, Jim Clash. Yes. Forbes magazine. What's up, Jim? And um, that jacket, it says what on it? Uh, it looks like a, a Formula E jacket, but it really says Virgin Galactic on it. I have a space ticket to fly with Virgin Galactic. And it says... It says... Future, future astronaut. astronaut. <laughs> Chuck and I in no way jealous. Yes, exactly. I am also a future ask... Oh, no, I'm a future <laughs> space cadet. Damn. Damn. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. So, Formula E. Sam Bird told us that they are going to take the brakes off and these things are going to kick on to another, what, 40 miles per hour, probably get a little bit faster. Yeah. Got v- BMW entering the party for the next season and they've got batteries that are twice as powerful, was it half the weight, a third the size, and produce twice the performance. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you, you'll be going from, I think they're maxing out about 140 miles an hour At now. At the moment, they're li- but he said to us they're limited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think you'll see more like 170. It won't be F1 performance yet, but but it's 170 is cooking. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, when, I, when you think about it, like 170 F1, that's a course, you know what I mean? That's that, like, you're pretty much, you know, you know what's going on. 140 on these with, with the way they have these courses designed and how tight they are that's like doing about 200 and something miles an hour easily i mean i'm trying to figure out how these drivers deal with reaction times i mean you got you know what it is to travel at those speeds yeah football field a second is 200 miles an hour wow wow that's, that's it. true. That's insane. I thought you were going to do, wow. Yeah, you yeah. Let's put you. some Doppler effect you on didn't. that. You didn't. Wow. Go there. There you didn't go No, it's more like, <laughs> You're right. That's it. That is kind of what it's Please send like. us your best Formula E impersonation. Please do. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. But the thing is, for me, that sat me back, because when he said, when you throttle, and I love this, formerly a, a normally aspirated car, you'll get about 35% of the power coming through. So when you throttle a Formula E car, you get 70 to 80% of the power straight away. Now, that has to be a real kick in the pants when you're taking off from stop. It's pulling some Gs. It's it's going up there with the drag racers where you're really just accelerating at a ridiculous pace. Where do they go from zero to... 100 miles an hour in less than four seconds. That's three point not, whatever. They're not to yeah. 60 in under three. Yeah, that's yeah. fast. That is very, very fast. And, you know, I, I don't know if anybody um, has the opportunity, if you go online to the Formula E YouTube page, Yeah. and it says the new sound of racing, and just look at those videos, and it, it's it's so cool. Like, you because they, you know, it, when when you, you hear it like an unlocking, it's like, Clop. Yeah, it's it's it gets you right here. <laughs> so does Formula One, and so does IndyCar, and so does That's NASCAR. Yeah. They all have different sounds. Yeah, 
I don't, what, what, and now that that's the thing that I'm kind of interested to know is what it sounds like. I've never seen a Formula E race live, but what does it sound like live when these cars are going by? I've been in Star Wars, I think one of the very early ones where they attack the Death Star. It's been a little bit like without the lasers. Yeah, and, and it's all combined. So you've got how many different cars with all these noises on different parts of the track? So you yeah. get this this sort of vibrato uh, symphony of sounds. Yeah, I yeah. touched on that magic thing, NASCAR. Mm. Are NASCAR looking over their shoulder at Formula E and saying, "We've well, we've we've seen off Formula One. That's really never taken hold here in the USA." No, it hasn't. It hasn't. Is Formula E? Possibly the next one up to to challenge NASCAR and and the well Indy? well I I think you know first of all Formula One has had trouble in the U S because we don't have a U S driver right. in Formula One also there's not a lot of passing in NASCAR and in IndyCar you see a lot of passing right. um, Formula E is trendy right now Formula E is electric it's environmental. Uh, and obviously, it is the way of the future. And like Formula One used to be, people now are able to test what's going to be in future cars, electric cars, with Formula E. Right. Used to do it in, in Formula One, but now that this stuff is so it's so uh, out there, uh, yeah, it's it's not helping. Unless you're building hypercars, right. you're not going right. to be testing anything in Formula One. Right. And a lot more of it is, and you with the way business is now. I can imagine stuff that's happening in a Formula E car isn't going to sit there for 10 years. It's no. likely to sit there for 10 minutes right. yeah. and straight into production. But the other thing about your question is NASCAR, IndyCar looking over their shoulders. Mm. I think they're already thinking about doing it themselves. So you'll have a, a, an electric, a, a, NASCAR? electric NASCAR, you'll have an electric IndyCar, right. probably a hybrid first. Right. But yeah. These people are planning way out. I heard a rumor that Roger Penske is going to get into Formula E. Wow. Now, Penske's the guy in IndyCar. I think he's won, his teams have won 17 Indy 500s. Uh, I mean, if Penske's going to get involved, that's serious. How yeah, are that's hardcore a- NASCAR fans going to take to not having... I heard that that because you know that there's there's a reason why they 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 call it the thunder yeah. of NASCAR. I mean, would you have to, for instance, um, have a recording of an engine <laughs> playing out of the car? Because like you know they do that with electric motorcycles. Like there are some very high speed electric motorcycles, and you can pick what kind of motor you want it to sound like. Because when you're on the road, one of the things that your friend and a motorcycle ice cream truck. (laughs) 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 So yeah, hundred miles an hour with the with the theme from Green Sleeves or whatever. (laughs) How's that sound at the Doppler effect going by at a hundred and something miles? Imagine being overtaken by something. Yes, that sound. (laughs) (laughs) And have your kids just. Screaming ice cream from the car. Yeah, yeah. but, but go to, ahead. But to your Sorry. point, um, you know, NASCAR fans probably wouldn't put up with that. I think they know uh, they would know enough uh, that if you had a fake engine sound, uh, oh, they wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't put up. But but again, like anything else. You know, people evolve slowly and mm-hmm. things evolve slowly. And the E thing with NASCAR isn't going to happen tomorrow. It's going right. to happen down the road, maybe ten years. I don't know. And so they're going to slowly get people interested in those sounds. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really think IndyCar and, and NASCAR are looking over their shoulders, but they're developing their own. Developing their own, There yeah. are some inherent issues with electric in batteries, overheating, 
you know, you don't. But you, you know, don't, they haven't had a battery failure in 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 the Formula E now in what? It's been since 2015. Yeah. So well, well, so one they've issue, gotten a lot better. Well, one issue though is is if you're going to be running those high speed ovals uh, yeah. for long periods of time, I think the Formula E race only lasts uh, right. an hour at this That's point. Right. Yeah, right. Um, that would be a problem. But again, both NASCAR and IndyCar do run road races. They run on on city streets. At least the IndyCars do. They were in Detroit. Uh, so, you know, you could pull that off. Now, as I understand it, though, with the Formula E, there's no pit stop. You just, when you come in, you get out of the car and you get into another car. So they don't work on the one car because the battery life isn't what it right. needs to be, right? Right. So that's a challenge. But I'm guessing with the introduction of people like BMW, that they will address that because they're already yeah. producing electric cars in their yep. i series. Yes, and so I could totally would, see them. They, yeah. uh, that makes a lot of uh, well, basically, is the te- this their laboratory? That, that that will all change racing dramatically. But again, when you're looking into the future right now, it's hard to see it. But I do think Formula E or electric car racing is the future. Yeah, and I I, I think the other thing too is now one of the drawbacks of cityscape driving is that or or racing is that um you limit the amount of people that can come see it right you know however there's nothing more exciting because you can change the course track any way you want well and it's very challenging uh i think sam said it if if you screw up uh uh Mm. one of those uh street courses with a with a formula e car it's going to hurt, even at 140 miles an hour. When they ramp it up to 170, I mean, it could be a fatal accident pretty quick if they don't have the barriers put up like they do on on the Indy tracks yeah. or even on the Formula One tracks. You know, yeah. they don't have a lot of time to to fix a, a street course. Well, they imagine just the guys out. who run Formula E are unaware of that. They're aware of it. Yeah. yeah. So they have to be very precise. And as Sam said, if you brake a little too late or you, you, you accelerate a little too early out of a corner, mm-hmm. I think they're going to ha- they're introducing an, a whole raft of formulas. In the sense of, I believe there's a kind of saloon car, which I believe will start with the Tesla. Put me in, baby. That's what I want to go. Saloon, saloon car. car is that the tandem car? No, no. So two seater or yeah, so, get an experience. Jim for... wants to. Jim wants to do the electric experience, but there's probably they won't let. They won't let me drive the car. No. I've driven a real Indy car. I've driven a real NASCAR, but E is too new. But if they do the sidecar, that would give journalists and fans a real feel for what it's like to go around the track. So if they use the Tesla models, then. Then boom. Chance you're in. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing it. Good. So, I mean, so what about the passing? What you say is uh, that one of the reasons F1 may not is because you know American fans want to see the passing, which is funny. I've always been an F1 fan, but I remember being a kid. The only place you could watch it was Sunday mornings on ABC, and that's still the only place you can watch it, except it's on NBC SN. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Seven thirty in the morning. That's so funny. So like you, and you, it depends on the track. Because right. not every track is the same in different countries. Yeah. And on, oh, is it the Hungarian Grand Prix where it, unless you're pole position and stay out in front, it's a procession. Yeah, yes. it is. Uh, well, oh, yeah, it's all about the pit stop. That's what people don't well, realize. Yeah, when they're watching the race, it's not about the race. It's about the pit stop. Yeah, and their pit stops are two or three seconds. I right. mean, it's ridiculous. Like in a NASCAR and IndyCar, they're seven or eight seconds. Right. But, but in, so, so any tenth of a second – well, a tenth of a second – in those cars at 200 miles an hour is like 10 yards. So, you know. Yeah, it, it really means something, yeah. It's interesting with, everybody thinks it's gotta be about going fast. Everything's about speed. So mm-hmm. we make it as lightweight as possible. Sort of looking at the way things are with Formula E, it seems it's about how much energy can I recover? 
How much from breaking right. can I recover, put into storage, and then use that again? And it becomes interesting to see the mindset of how, where, and why they, they go about doing that. It, it, I mean, I don't know, in Formula One, they do have those systems, but is it as important? Um, I would say in a different way, it probably is as important in all the racing series, reaction times, the, the mathematical formulas within the engines and the brakes and all that. They'll figure it out. Yeah. But again, that, that whole business of the torque is amazing when, when they, you know, these, these, these electric cars take off. There's such a kick in the pants. No other race car does it except for drags, right. drag racers. Right, yeah. And it's because of what you were saying earlier, uh, Gary. It's the efficiency, mm. you know, the, the fact that, the, that they're basically using most of the energy that's available all at once So as, as they accelerate. And they're trying to find ways, as I understand it, of taking the excess heat and everything else and converting that into ch recharging the battery while it's actually on track. Yeah. Right. So, so th that's one of the biggest problems, though, isn't it, taking off the excess heat from these, these batteries produce? It's, yeah. It is something that they've, they've had concerns about. But bearing in mind, as I said, the kind of people that are getting involved in the sport, you can only imagine the solutions will come that much sooner. Yep as to those sort of problems. Yeah, I'm just interested to see. I mean, I love the fact that you that that you're potentially as this sport grows, you could see a race like just an American circuit where you, like in you could have a Miami race, you could have a Detroit race, you can have, you know, a Chicago race. You know, you could have like you know, you you can put this sport anywhere and I think that that's really uh, something that they ought to capitalize on. Well, that's because, as you say, the, the, they only race on city streets. The, only, the, the big problem, though, in America, just like with Formula One, though, would be get people interested in that kind of racing, Formula E racing, because it's very different from NASCAR and IndyCar. So that's, that's a challenge. And we need an American racer right. who's good in it. You know? we, also, we also need to fix our potholes. <laughs> and the manhole covers got to be careful it sucks them up in the air if, if you're going that fast yeah. here's one for you and I, I'm, I hope I haven't imagined this because if I have then my imagination is far more creative than I thought robotic racing no it will never work I've thought about this fans Formula E no, robotic no, racing no, no fans they want to see danger they want to see the potential of something happening to the driver if you crash with some guy behind the controls right Fans aren't going to go for it. I don't yeah. think so. Good. I, I think you're right. It's 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 like uh, it's like watching a robotic trapeze artist. Like there is no fun in that. Two robots on a trapeze. It's like one of them falls to the ground. Who gives a flying fig? All right. No pun intended. Yeah, exactly. It's like no. You want to see the potential of the loss of human life. I hate to say yeah, it, yeah. but that's the appeal. The appeal is that dude in that car or that woman in that car might die. All right, now I'm interested. Yeah. All right, so now here's what I want to know. How can we up the chances of these guys dying? No, no, come on. <laughs> chuck, 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 chuck. Look, see, Jim, Jim has actually been in those cars. He's like, chuck. Chuck, what are you doing? Please. There, there's enough of a dark. chance. Uh, Way but, dark thought. No more of those. I know. I'm sorry. But you know, in the old days, uh, I, I interviewed Sir Jackie Stewart once, who yes. raced from 68 to 73 in Formula One. Oh. He said that there was a two out of three chance of dying if you raced in that series in that five-year period. Are you kidding me? No, two, so he said they would look around the room at the you know the 25 or so drivers, 
beginning of the season, they knew a couple of them wouldn't be there at the end of the That's season. That's crazy. So, so they made the sport so much safer. Good. Um, but there still is that danger. Uh, well, and honestly, here's the, the thing. Was- Nobody likes to hear about a death, but here's what you do like to see, and I'm sorry to say this. I can't apologize for it. You do like to see a crash, okay? Because look, here's the thing. When you see the crash and the car kind of like, explodes in all these pieces and it looks like it's disintegrating, right? And then you're like, oh my God, this is terrible. And then all of a sudden the driver jumps out and gives you the thumbs up and you're like, that was awesome! You well, know? That, that, that happened at Indy, uh, in Indy 500 back in 2017. Scott Dixon had this horrific accident where he was airborne, flipping around, hit the wall sideways, the car was disintegrated and after he stopped spinning and it took a good seven seconds for this accident to play out, he put his thumb up and he got out of the car. And people loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, sorry. I'm anyway, too excited about this. No, no. But the danger's still there. No, yes. Make no mistake. So I don't think, Gary, that the no, okay. robotics would work. But, but it's an interesting concept. It's, it's, it's something that people are going Wait, to... Wait. I figured it out. Robots that feel pain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chuck. That's an improvement, but I'm not sure how much. I just think we have... A generation coming through that will look at Formula One as a little bit dinosaur and Formula E as the new bright, shiny thing that reflects more of us. Uh, Greener credentials, Mm -hmm. not harmful, da-da-da-da-da. Maybe. Maybe they'll go towards it. And robots, remote control, drones, very much part of people's lives. Maybe they will see Formula E and the way it expands in that way. Well, they probably will because, we, again, we can't see the future. But the one thing I wonder about is these batteries. Mm. That's an environmental hazard, and, and eventually these batteries are going to die out. Yeah. So I don't know if people are taking that into consideration or not. But Well, it's actually the, – the battery itself is not really an environmental hazard. It's the disposal of the battery that's right. an environmental that's hazard. That's so what, what we have to do is work on resp- – but that's just a problem that needs to be addressed worldwide, uh, irrespective of any, any industry, is that we have to find a way to properly dispose of batteries or to recycle batteries to be right. able to right. – so yeah. I think that part of – what they'll do as they develop this technology is also develop that as well. You know, we're going to have to. They're going to have to because it's going to be really expensive. Yeah. If they can't reuse parts of the batteries or the batteries themselves. I mean, we hate landfills, right? You can imagine a big tower of car batteries, and you know, it's just no, not going to happen. They've they've got to find that solution. Or they could sell pieces of them to the fans. Say this was taken off the Formula E car that Piquet drove or something, right? (laughs) I don't mind that. (laughs) Oh, there is a thought, but maybe we'll not dwell on it. And now we know why none of us are planning the future of Formula E. No, I'm joking. (laughs) So, Jim, while we have you here, you're a man that goes places and does things and Mm. We won't say danger is your middle name because I don't believe it is. Um, where are you off to next? And what well, are you going to well, be doing? And where are you coming from? Actually, the most more interesting is where I'm coming from. I was just out at Beale Air Force Base in California, and mm. I got to fly in the old T-38 supersonic Sweet. aircraft. And uh, it's a small plane. It's a tiny plane. You get in it and you're thinking, oh, this yeah. is – I don't know about this. But we went up in formation, so we had another guy on our wing. Okay. And we were within about three feet of each other doing these maneuvers. That's at crazy. ridiculous speed. Uh, Scared me a little bit, but these pilots are amazing. Yeah, and, uh, they defend our country. So, um, From what I understand, it's like uh, the po- one of the pilots' favorite plane to fly is a T thirty. Well, Mike Massimino, who's right. a friend of That's Star it. Talk uh, and an astronaut, uh, he used to fly that. Well, the, the shuttle astronauts did train that. Also, the U two pilots trained in that. And so while we were out there, we got Bono to- flew a. T- <laughs> 
What? I think U2 you was named after the U2 spy plane. But they still operate these. Mm. So we got to chase them as they landed because they're very particular. And you have a guy on a walkie-talkie telling them when their wheels are down. So we got to be in the chase cart 120 miles an hour right behind the U2 as it landed. I also got to try on one of the spacesuits, pressurized and all that. Right. So, so that was interesting. I'm off to the Gobi Desert. Uh, do, you, do you mean to go off to the Gobi Desert? Uh, <laughs> yeah, find it's, yourself. Yeah, that's part of it. What are you uh, doing? Actually, I'll be I'll be driving Infinities, one of the new Infinity uh, sport vehicles, uh, in the desert on the on the sand out in the Gobi. Right. So really, yeah, I'm excited about that. You get to keep one, or you just got to give it back. It's, it's like when I do a story on Rolex, people always say, oh, "Do you get to keep the watch?" Nope, no, no. You get a little swag bag, but that's about it. That's nice, isn't it? I like that <laughs> swag bag. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so that's that's my next adventure, and uh, of course, at some point, when Richard Sir Richard gets the thing together, the thing gonna, together, you'll uh, be headed to space, my friend, space. or as Neil deGrasse Tyson would say, low Earth orbit. Low Earth? No, actually, I won't even be orbiting. I'm going to be doing a uh, what do you call it? A um, Sub-orbital uh, flight. Sub-orbital so flight. So you into the space and come back out. Right. Yeah. So I'm in space, five minutes. Right. Uh, it's costing me $200,000, so that's $40,000 a minute. Wow. Let me tell you, um, I can't do that joke. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, and we've landed back on Earth. Yes. Uh, back on good old planet uh, Earth. Uh, that's been our show. Thank you to Jim Clash. Yeah, man. A privilege and a pleasure as always. Well, I look forward to to coming back on the show to talk about something other than speed, but I love talking about speed. That's why you're on the show. And that's Formula E. Thank you to Sam Bird. Thank you to our Williams engineering people. And uh, that's Playing With Science. I'm Ben Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. We will see you all soon. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.